Hello, everyone. Welcome to Crownsman Energy. My name is Rory Bamford. I will be guest hosting for Jared, the normal host. He is in Gaudi. I think he's in Montreal hosting the CIM plenaries. Yes, that is correct. Okay, excellent. So uh, I'm excited today. We have a Cellaware on. Uh, we are going to be joined by two guests, uh, Mike Turingi and Jim Boucher. Let's hope I got those names right. Um, <laughs> a Cellaware first came on last year, and I'm excited to get some more updates and share those with the audience uh, on all their latest developments. Fabulous. Gowdy, I'll hand it over to you, and we can jump right into the sponsors for this week. Yes. So today we've got Savannah Equipment. Are you working on pipelines, oil and gas projects, renewable energy, or LNG? Need uh, to save some cash? Well, Savannah Equipment has industrial pumps, electrical equipment from motors to transformers, and even surplus pipe, and much, much more. You can visit them at SavannahEquipment.com, where you will find more equipment every day. Next up, we also have SolarSet. Introducing the new SolarSet Folds, the new foldable frame. Solar System brings power to your residential and commercial property, and it can be shipped worldwide. Like all SolarSet products, the SolarSet Fold comes turnkey, pre-assembled, and is easily transported and installed. You can learn more about the SolarSet Fold and their full line of amazing solar systems at solarset.com. And last but not least, we've got PowerZone. When you need a specialized team of world-class engineers for your oil and gas pipelines, dewatering, or any fluid handling needs, you want to visit PowerZone.com. In addition to their inventory of rebuilt pumps, motors, engines, they also have an amazing team to design and engineer your systems, no matter the challenge, no matter the location. Get in the zone with PowerZone. Visit them at PowerZone.com. Alrighty, here we go. <laughs> Making some adjustments. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> okay, there we go. Okay, welcome to the show again, Mike, and welcome, Jim. It's great to have you both on. How are you? Good, thanks. Great to be here, Roy. Thanks. I'm great, thank you, and great to be here, too. Perfect. Well, uh, we'll just jump right into it. I'll be kind of uh, questions back and forth to both of you. And uh, just just quickly to start, Mike, could you give us a quick overview of Acelaware, what you're working on, just just for the people that haven't watched that first episode? Absolutely, yeah, no problem, Roy. So Acelaware is developing a new technology that can electrify the production of heavy oil and oil sand. And the benefit of doing that electrification is that we can use renewable power sources or cleaner power sources. We can reduce or eliminate emissions in producing heavy oil and oil sand. And we also eliminate the use of fresh water. So we have some really big environmental benefits. We can also cut costs for producing that oil, capital costs by 50% and operating costs by 40%. So it's a win-win, both on environmental benefits and economic performance. We've been developing that for about 10 years, and we are right now working to put our first pilot test into an oil reservoir that's happening this year. Okay, that's really exciting. And that, what is the, the project name that you're working on? I think you mentioned it in the first episode as well. Yeah, it's Marwain. So Marwain is a town near Lloydminster, Alberta, and we are working our project at a site near Marwain in uh, essentially a heavy oil reservoir, but it's designated as part of the Cold Lake oil sands region. 
Okay, excellent. And so, uh, oh, I should just mention, um, you're you're traded publicly as well. Could you, could you just give the audience just a quick where they find you if they're if they're looking absolutely at Acceler is traded on the TSX Venture Exchange. Our ticker is AXE, A-X-E, colon V, if you want to search for us. And yeah, please do take a look. We think we've got a great opportunity and a great investment in a ESG technology that is going to support future growth for Alberta and Canada and really the rest of the world, wherever heavy oil is produced. Okay, excellent. Um, going back into the, the Marwane project, so the that you just, so now you've got the approvals um the can you talk a little bit about the just you did a, a white paper can you can you give us a little bit of an update about that that you published as well sure that uh, actually came out i think a little while after we did our first crownsman show last year okay we put out a white paper that shows how you can take the rfxl technology and you could combine that with a solar array and truly deliver zero emissions heavy oil production. And we're not talking net zero through carbon capture, but pure zero emissions heavy oil production. So we showed that it was possible to do that technically, but we also showed that it's profitable to do that. Even in Alberta, given the sunlight hours we have, it's possible and, and even more profitable in markets like California and the Middle East with higher sunlight hours. But bottom line is we wanted to showcase that this technology, and again, it comes back to that topic of electrification, it opens the door for zero emissions upstream production of heavy oil and oil sand, and that it can be profitable for operators to use clean power to power the RFXL to get that asset out of the ground and produce it. Question I have on that. So with your, with your tests that you're going to be doing here, is this something that, and you may have already mentioned, but I just want to clarify, all these different wells, the test is being done on a single well to start. Is that right? That's correct, yes. So this conceivably could be done across Alberta and then further for the oil and gas sector. Absolutely. That's the adoption rollout we're looking to drive once we prove that the technology can produce oil, can maintain the efficiency levels that we predict. Then we're looking to see adoption both in the heavy oil sector in Alberta and Saskatchewan, in the oil sand space in Alberta, and in heavy oil markets like California and the Middle East, where either there's big pressure to eliminate emissions and reduce water use, or there simply isn't access to water or natural gas to use a process like SAG-D. So a lot of potential both inside Canada and outside our borders as well. Okay. The, the one thing I... You also recently... You've you've had some patents, but did you just get a? Did you recently have another like a key one that you just uh, secured as well? Yeah, that came last year. Uh, I believe that was September. Uh, we had a key patent for the RFXL technology itself that was granted. So we now have a total of seven patents that have been granted. We've got another twenty-two in progress. So intellectual property development is is a key focus for us. We've got something really unique here and we continue to enhance it and protect it as we move forward. Okay, great. That's that's good, exciting to hear for your company being able to get those. Um, the We'll move into the a new partnership and that's also why Jim has joined the show. So Mike, do you wanna start with that here and then maybe we can get uh, some of 
Jim's background as well afterwards? For sure. Yeah, I'll do a quick one and then Jim can jump in. Excellent. So last, uh, last summer, we started talking to, to Jim and Javon, who operate the Sadene group of companies, and they had contacted us looking for a potential partnership. So we thought there was a fantastic fit in terms of our goals for a responsible development technology that can help a, create a future wave of growth for the oil sector through responsible development, through environmentally conscious development and socially responsible development. So we found a great fit. We established that partnership with Sadene Group and created an entity called Accelerate Kisses Do in November of 2020. Uh, maybe Jim can give better context on how they came to us and, and what they're looking for from the partnership. Yeah, Jim, I'll let you I'll let you jump in there and just give a little bit of your background. That would be that'd be great for the audience. Well, thank you very much. Uh, you know, I've been involved in Port Mackay politics for about 30 years as chief, and uh, we've been uh, very uh, uh, proactive about working with the oil sands industry and making sure that our communities benefit from the resource development activity that's happening within our within our, our territory. Uh, we've uh, you know, we've learned to invest in the oil sands and uh, work with the oil sands in addressing a lot of the issues that we have with respect to the environment and social implications with regards to these developments that are occurring on our land. Um, so after retiring from politics, I, was, you know, I wanted to partner up uh, with people that uh, are looking to the future of the oil sands industry and seeing how we can make it better. And Accelware uh, provides opportunity for us to to uh, to be involved in a forward-looking project that has implications with regards to the environment, uh, where water use will be reduced uh, uh, quite substantially, where, where there's virtually no water being used. Uh, there's carbon uh, capture is not required with regards to the, these projects, so. I think the uh, the overall um, uh, impetus with regards to uh, the future of oil sands is that we need to find a cleaner way to produce oil from from the vast amount of deposits we have here in Alberta, and that Accelware provides a vehicle for for the uh, the uh, oil to be extracted in a responsible way. So I'm very uh, uh, happy to be uh, working with people who are innovators and uh, forward thinkers and uh, people that are looking towards the future with respect to improving our economic and environmental social footprint within this country. Yeah, that sounds like you're you're taking a kind of a long term approach on it and the going into that. So so you were 30 years in on the political side and then. So now, now with this partnership, you also you also had founded another company as well. Is that right? That that is still in operation today as well, or is that part of the Sedena Group? That's part of the Sedena Group, and uh, we were offering a host of uh, services, uh, 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 primarily related towards the economy in Canada here. So it's it's quite a diverse group of uh, companies, uh, from healthcare to education. And uh, so it, these are uh, topics which are near and dear to my heart, and uh, I would like to see these uh, these companies move forward 
especially on the education front, because you know that's a very good, uh, very positive impact with regards to the future of the young people in this country. So I, I think that you know Accelware and uh, Sadane will have a really good partnership, and that we, you know, I'm in uh, for the long haul, and uh, and hopefully you know will be successful right off the bat, and uh, things will accelerate, and we will uh, be uh, one of the prime companies uh, within the oil sector within the province of Alberta. That's that's a great goal, I think. Um, talk, Jim, because you were mentioning it. Uh, maybe we can both, or maybe you, you and Mike can both jump in on this next one. So, with with the new technology, so RF, just just to clarify, that stands for radio frequency. That's correct. Okay, yeah. um, just wanted to clarify that for the audience and me. And um, so, going into going into some real world examples, what are going to be the long term benefits for? for this this test that you're doing and when it go when it's proven what what is that going to what impact is that going to have on the oil and gas sector okay well i'll start there and, and jim feel free to jump in there's a few ways you know we, we've tried to come up with different ways to share that result in a way that can be easier to understand for everybody in the market, not just the experts inside the oil industry. So I'll use a few of those examples. So if you looked at the status quo of using steam assisted gravity drainage or SAGD is how most of the, the heavy oil and oil sand are produced today. And you had a, a really big plant, let's say it's 100,000 barrels a day. That's a fair size production facility. That kind of project, just on the emission side alone, it's going to use around 8,900 tons of a day is what it's going to make in terms of CO2 emissions. Mm. If you put together that same size of project using RFXL and you were able to pull in some kind of clean power, whether that's solar or hydro or wind or a combination of all those things, we can take those emissions down to zero. Um, you know, even if we put it on the Alberta grid coming out to about 2030, you would reduce them by half, but with clean power, we can take that all the way down to zero. So, you know, if you compare that, if you want to compare that to some kind of real world comparison, um, that is the same as 210,000 Canadians. Is their, really? their daily emissions, if you have that many Canadians in their normal use of driving cars, et cetera, today, that's the equivalent of removing the emissions out of, of 210,000 Canadians in that one project. Um, so emissions are important. As Jim mentioned, we can do it with almost no water or no water, which is a big deal. Um, probably as important as the carbon reduction long-term. But if we look at that impact, that same 100,000 barrel a day SEGD facility is gonna use 250,000 cubic meters water a month of fresh water coming in to replace the water that's lost in their system. And the equivalent there is that's the same as 35,000 Calgarians and how much water they use um, on a monthly basis. So you can kind of picture McMahon Stadium full of people, all of their water use, we can reduce that just in that one project. So that's, again, that goes, just to clarify again, that goes just for one site that's doing that 100,000 barrels a day. Correct, that's right. So, so as we, you know, we get past Marwain and we start to roll out, yeah. you know, we'd like to see people start with some 10,000 barrel a day sites and ramp up to multiple 100,000 barrel a day sites, but that's the, the scale of the impact 
um, it, it is really big. If you can eliminate emissions and water use, that's a big change. So yeah, and you we can also talk about the, the land use side because you know the benefit of not using water is, is fairly self-evident. We don't want to use more fresh water than we need to. It can damage the ecosystem, but it also costs money to use it, to process it, and to heat it. So when you take water out of the equation, that's part of how we reduce our cost is that we are a much simpler surface facility. And so we don't have all that expense of running big gas-fired boilers and all the water processing that has to happen when you're moving that much water around. So that's a cost savings, both on capital and operating side, but it also uses less land. So that, that's, you don't have as big a footprint. And in fact, in that same 100,000 barrel a day site, we would save roughly 90 football fields of space that would be disturbed and used for a site D facility, we can do that with 90 football fields less over the course of that project. So that's a pretty big reduction. Yeah, for the land. So you're reducing the land, you're reducing the water, um, yeah. obviously you're, the emissions from it. So the, and I think that does highlight the, the innovation that's coming from the oil and gas sector and that's why it's nice to have you back on with the updates because, and, and I'll, I'll pass it over to you, you as well, Jim, did you want to add anything to, to, to Mike's comments on, on this, like the real world impacts? Well, the way I would characterize it is that uh, each project in the heavy oil business needs to build uh, huge amounts of pots and pans, as I would call it. And th this, this infrastructure is costly to build it. It's quite expensive in terms of your capital cost. So with Accelware's RF technology, the, there's a huge savings with regards to your capital expenditure with regards to producing a barrel of oil. So that's one substantial benefit with regards to uh, uh, incorporating the new technology within, within the production of oil. The other factor is that there will be a huge uh, benefit with regards to the non-use of uh, solvents uh, a lot of the companies nowadays use solvents uh, as part of the extraction process. They need to put it into their uh, into their ore body to help make the uh, ore more transportable, and that way you can pump it out of the ground. So you know there, the benefit of uh, uh, RF technology is greatly uh, uh, great potential uh, to save the, a lot of the environmental issues that we have uh, uh, from occurring. And so I think, you know, we certainly have really good positive potential with regards to the VR technology. That's, yeah, so you, yeah, you just touched on the, the cost reduction, as you said, like the pots and pans required to, to build one of these, one of these processing <laughs> facilities. Um, I like that analogy. The, it, you, you kind of touched on it. It does sort of create almost a domino effect from what your technology adds to the sector long-term. Is that a good way to phrase it basically? I, I think that's a good way to phrase it. I think, you know, in terms of uh, the less work you do to produce a barrel of oil is, is great. Uh, it's great for the economy. It's great for the environment. It's also great for the producer and also the people at the other end who use the, uh, the product. Touching, going back, and, and Mike, I might ask you this, touching on the non-aqueous again, the, that's going to be really important, like in, in Canada here, especially we have so much fresh water, but can you just, can you just touch on that again, just on, on how important that will be long-term as well? 
Absolutely. I guess, Rory, we see right now there's significant focus on, on carbon reductions um, politically and globally. Cleaning up emissions is, is a big focus and it is really important. But what we know is that right behind that, you know, because that's driving climate change, which is putting a lot of attention on it. But if you look at sustaining the ecosystem and protecting all the parts of our, our, our planet that we want to, you can't take the water out of, out of it and, and have it survive. So reducing water use on this scale, it's massive water use. And so we want to be able to help by cleaning that up. It is going to be the next critical thing that takes attention. So while you see a lot of focus on things like carbon capture, Jim mentioned we don't need carbon capture and storage because we have the potential to eliminate emissions. That's getting a lot of focus, it's getting incentives, but even if you put carbon capture on, on the current seg B, it's still using water. So it doesn't address that, that problem. It, it, you know, it may help us transition from seg D to a cleaner technology, but to be able to keep growth going, responsibly produce this product that we still need and do that without emissions, without water use, without solvent, that, that is a big bonus. And as Jim said, you know, it's got less pots and pans, so it is much less expensive. And, and actually I was gonna close on that. Um, I just remembered, Roy, the, you know, if we talked about those comparisons at that 100,000 barrel yep. a day plant, um, that project, if you build that with SAG-D or you build it with RFXL, you're gonna save $1.8 billion in building it. Really? So RFXL saves 1.8 billion upfront just to get that thing built. And it's going to save close to 300 million every year in operating cost savings. So, in terms of a, a strong and sustainable industry for the country, um, we can help get there both by cleaning up the emissions, reducing water use, and saving money so that, that we can be profitable and, and solid at lower commodity prices if needed, or more profitable when they're higher. The one actually that brings up, I want to quickly because you you've gotten some major endorsements in terms of funding recently, and I want to touch on that. But I just a question that came up because, like you said, there's like the environment, the political side of like the oil and gas sector. With something like this RF technology, conceivably, we could be an environment because a lot of people are still saying like oil and gas is going to be needed for many decades to come, even, even with the transition, conceivably it could help increase production at a lower environmental cost. Is that, is that almost a way to look at it as well? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, whether we need um, more or we need the same volume that we're producing today, but we need it to be cleaner and, and less expensive. That's certainly the role we see for RFXL. It can help manage that transition. Um, but continue to produce while removing the environmental costs um, or, or impacts that we would like to see taken care of. Okay. And for that, the jumping back to the, the funding, can you talk about you, Alberta Innovates, you, you secured a, can you just talk about what you, was it a, you, secured funding? I don't know if that was a grant or if that was like a loan. Can you talk about that a little bit as well? For sure. Yeah, that was, um, we announced that in January of 2021 here. That's the most recent bit of funding that we've received for the project. It was $5 million in grant funding from Alberta Innovates to support the Marwane project. Okay. Um, going back a few years, we had secured 
5 million from Sustainable Development Technology Canada and 5 million from Emissions Reduction Alberta. Uh, we've had some top-ups uh, increases over the past year from SDTC, which is Sustainable Development Technology Canada. So we're now up just over 15 million in total grant funding from those three agencies. We're really proud to have that, <coughs> excuse me, that strong support, both from federal agencies and provincial agencies, looking to see, you know, hoping to see that we can get this technology proven and deployed. Um, we've also been able to secure a total of $4 million in commitments from two major oil sand operators in Calgary who mm -hmm. want to see what we can do with the technology. So out of the total project cost of just over 20 million, we've secured 19 to support it. So we're really pleased with that kind of that kind of performance to get the technology supported. Well, congratulations on that. That's in, that's incredible. We had ERA on the on the show a little while back. So yeah, they're it, it's good to see what they're working on and kind of promoting these investments into that cleaner technology. Um, I'm just going to jump down here. So taught you you touched on it a bit as well already jim but can you talk about how important it is to build more inclusive companies that are driving responsible growth and kind of what does that mean what does that mean to you and i'll start with you there jim thank you very much yeah i think you know the uh, the future uh, is a world where energy will be produced in a variety of different ways. And I think people are looking towards uh, cleaner energy so it does not have an effect with respect to the environment, a negative effect on the environment. And uh, I I looked at uh, Excelware as a good opportunity to have a positive impact with regards to that issue and uh, making sure that we produce energy in a responsible way. So the partnership that we have certainly um, lines up with regards to the values that we have with responsible development and making sure that it's uh, clean technology and the benefits of this technology will be uh, felt for generations to come. So I think you know that that's what we looked at in regards to this opportunity to work together with a fine group of people. Excellent. And you also are, you're standing, it was just announced as well that you're going to be standing for election to the board of directors on a Cellaware as well. I look forward to working with a great bunch of people uh, who have a common interest. And I think we all want to see Excelware succeed and be uh, a model for, for the world to to emulate regards to how we do things and produce oil in this in this country. I'm gonna pass it over to you, Mike. So what was the importance of this this for you when you were approached by by Jim? Well, I guess I would sum it up by what Jim just said, you know, that kind of goal for what Acceloware wants to accomplish and having somebody with Jim's business background and exposure to the industry both in Canada and around the world um, is the really exciting thing for Acceloware to have him on our team and supporting us as we get this message out. We really think that's a, a massive benefit to have his expertise and guidance with us. Yeah, that's fantastic. The, I'm gonna go back to you, you now, Jim. Um, for 
what do you think this will do lot like this type of technology how do you think it will promote healthy communities and like quality of life going forward a lot of the first nation communities who are involved in the oil business within alberta and saskatchewan have uh, uh, interest in regards to how these projects unfold and and affect their their communities Uh, environment is one of the most important issues uh, with respect to uh, these projects and uh, the water use is an issue and i think you know with regards to the wastewater issue uh, it's a very serious concern that people have i think we know that people have concerns with regards to the migration of the solvents when it's placed into the oil into the bitumen and uh, so those concerns are very real within within the, the first nation communities who look to the land for their for their food and uh, to sustain their life in their communities so if the if the food in the land is impacted in a negative way then you know these projects certainly have a detrimental effect on on our people so i think you know for us to to uh, make these uh, projects more progressive we need to be uh, uh, aware of the issues that, that are happening in the communities and also the, to have a positive effect on a long-term basis where there is no negative environmental issue associated with the projects. So I think that you know this, these projects that, that we're working on will have that uh, support from the, uh, the First Nation communities and from, from Canadians as, overall as a whole because it's a responsible development, it's clean, and it's making sure that uh, you know we do not affect the environment in a negative way. Do you think, do you see a change on how, uh, like uh, I know some of these companies, especially in Alberta, they're, you've got these huge companies and you're, you're dealing with some even on, on your, your project here with Acelaware. What do you think the, for companies, I'm trying to figure out a way to word this, but do you think there's a way going forward now that companies can proactively consult on these projects? So you don't have, you, you see all, you see in the news a lot, there's a lot of like uproar about certain projects. Is there a way to avoid that going forward long-term? I, I think, you know, we, we need to address the issues at hand with regards to what are the inputs uh, with regard uh, on, on the environmental question. If you have solvents, uh, which is uh, which is very uh, serious for the First Nation people with, with regards to the environmental implications with regards to the solvents, uh, these issues uh, will uh, will be uh, put aside with regards to the use of Excelware technology, and uh, because uh, they're they're no longer used. So a lot of the negative. Uh, aspects with regards to the development which are occurring now will be taken away so those issues will not to be dealt with not in the regulatory framework or in an operational framework because there is no there is no negative with regards to the technology so the technology is clean it's it's going to be useful with regards to making sure that your projects are clean that the communities will support it because there is no negative effects so I think you know the really great potential with regards to establishing a really good production basis with regards to clean fuel uh, production in, in 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 this country. Jim, I also wanted to congratulate you for recently receiving the 
Alberta Order of Excellence. Uh, if you could just provide some more details on what it means to you to win that, that would be that'd be fantastic. And just just some more of your experience. Yeah, I won the uh, Alberta Order of Excellence, <laughs> and uh, it's it's a result of uh, what I would characterize as uh, getting old. Uh, <laughs> Come on, Jim. I think it's a little more than that. I like to make light of it, but uh, the fact of the matter is, you know, recognition and an honor to be uh, recognized for a huge amount of work that was done over the years and uh, the positive benefit and impacts I had on the community. Uh, you know, we uh, we worked out of our, our way out of a, a difficult situation. We had a good lifestyle before the uh, oil sands industry. Our, our economy was healthy. Our people were living off the land. Uh, we're, we're trapping and selling our fur at a very good uh, uh, good price. Uh, so our people were economically uh, in a good position. Uh, when the fur uh, campaign was successful in Europe, our community was affected. Uh, all of a sudden, we had no, our people had no income. So we, uh, you know, we worked with the oil industry to to make things better for our people in our community. We uh, we sought ways to invest our resources in the oil industry so that we can have a benefit from our work that we're doing. Uh, we started up a companies. So we we invested in our people so that they obtained the education to uh, to become uh, proactive uh, participants in the economy. Uh, in our community, we built up its infrastructure because the, uh, the oil sands uh, provided the resources to, to, to uh, pay for our schools, our streets, our houses, our, our water and sewer ser services, our infrastructure such as electricity and natural gas. So, you know, I think, you know, there's, there certainly is a lot of benefit with regards to making sure that, you know, we, we can work and invest in a proper way within the oil sands industry. And, uh, and we were very successful at, at doing that. Uh, we generated over five years of something like $2.5 billion in revenue. Uh, and uh, uh, the profits went back to our people in our community. Uh, so I, I think, you know, we certainly have a, a really good example as to why, uh, you know, uh, we're hard work and uh, diligence will will make you successful in, in the economy that we choose to work in. And I, that recognition came as uh, 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 in my old age. Uh, so now I have the Alberta Order of Excellence, uh, uh, which is an honor, which I will cherish. Well, congratulations on that. And yeah, I, that, well said, well said. That's incredible. Um, we'll... Uh, from there, uh, jumping back into the business side, um, this I, I'm I'm excited to talk about this one. So just because we're going to get into when you talk about electrification of the heavy heavy oil production, greening of the grid, all that, it, it sounds great. It's just like electric cars; it all sounds great. But we've got to talk about generating that power. So. Mike, I'll let you start with with how how important the acceleware technology can be in the future, and you did touch on it before. But if you can just get on get into that a little bit in more detail on how how we're going to do this, like how are we going to actually electrify heavy oil? 
Sure thing, Roy. Yeah, that's a good question. So we've talked about you know, the benefit of electrification, taking this process that right now burns gas to make get, you know, we burn one fossil fuel to make another one. And so electrification can take that out. We can use a clean power source to extract this energy that we still need for as long as we need it. But there's a bigger picture part of the equation here and, and that example of a 100,000 barrel a day facility or, or beyond that, if we had 10 100,000 barrel a day facilities and we're producing a million barrels a day, you know, which would be a bigger piece of Alberta's production, but not even the majority. So if we were going to do that, we start to get, it does, it will require a lot of power. That's the bottom line. And so all that electricity has to come from somewhere and we really see that our technology as a beneficial element there. And that's where, you know, that, that concept of greening of the grid. The greening of the grid means over time, we move off of coal and natural gas to all renewable sources. And, you know, that's expected to take 10 or 20 years to, to get there. And specifically for Alberta with a lot of coal-fired plants in transition right now, we're working on that. But we think something like RFXL can accelerate that transition and support more investment in renewable power. And so I can explain a little bit more about that. Because of the power we need, it is fairly high power. So let's say that um, 100,000 barrel a day site might be using four to 600 megawatts of power all day long. So that's a fair bit of, of power um, in the context of the Alberta grid. But the all day long part is where it's a little flexible. Unlike a steam boiler for SAG-D that's hard to turn off and on without a bunch of ramp up time and, and even damage potential. We are like a light switch so we can turn up, turn down, turn to half, you know, whatever, whatever needs to happen. So number one, that means we can run on, on what's termed curtailed power. So we can take all the power through the day and the night that's at low cost, but we don't need to use the power during the peak, say two hours of the day where everybody else in Alberta is running what they need to run when they come home from work. It's typically early evening hours. Power costs more during that time window. So to save operators money, they could take all the power they want in the other 22 hours and turn off for those two hours. But because we're able to handle some of that off and on, we can also then support investment in renewable power sources. And the white paper we mentioned does some of that explanation, but essentially, if somebody's out there thinking about putting a solar plant somewhere in northern Alberta, 200 megawatt solar plant, they could want to do that. They might be thinking about that investment, but they'd want to make sure they could sell all of that power or as much of that power as possible before they invest in that plant. With a technology like RFXL that can take all the power you can give it when you want to or at lowest cost, but still not need to take that power during peak, it would allow people to invest in a wind farm or a solar array or other renewable power sources, work with an oil operator to sell a long-term deal where all the power at the low cost, they could take all that power and put it in to produce oil while allowing that um, energy company to then sell to the grid at peak power. That helps Alberta by helping us ramp up, you know, if with everything electrifying, they, we will need more power. Bottom line. So that would help raise the bar for the total amount of power available in Alberta that's clean, while also helping those investors who are investing in clean power sources know they're going to get a stable return, put that power in the ground to produce oil at low cost, and 
support the grid with peak power demand. So, so almost one way of looking at it is that company that invests in a solar array or a wind farm, as this rolls out more, you almost become like an anchor tenant in a way for that power. And then after, during those peak hours, you, you have what you need already. And then that gets distributed out to Albertans. And that's a, yeah, that's a great way to put it, bro. Yeah, we would, you know, the, the RFXL plant can be the anchor tenant for power that might not otherwise even be sold. So it helps ensure they're going to pay off the, the cost of that system. Yeah, that's, yeah, I never looked at it that way, but it seems like a great way going forward. Uh, so the, going into, so the, Going into this kind of the last last part, we, we want to talk about the the potential that RFXL has to support bitumen beyond combustion. Mike, I'm going to let you take that one because yeah, I'm just going to let you take that one. Okay, I'll take that one. <laughs> Thanks, Rory. Um, and I'll start off by you know throwing some. Some credit and some, uh, if people are looking for more information, yeah, you suggest they check out the Alberta Innovates website. So Alberta Innovates has been leading a program to, you know, really capture this term, create this and support this terminology around bitumen beyond combustion. And they are funding some challenges and projects to help get there. But the bottom line is, is you know, we've mentioned it a few times here in the show. Um, and Jim has mentioned, we, you know, we need oil now. We need gasoline now mm -hmm. and for some number of years I, you know i'm not going to pick exactly the number of years at least a couple of decades we're going to be using some but it will fade out so as that transition happens are there more valuable things or value or any valuable things that we can do with this asset of heavy oil and oil sand um, that alberta has lots of but can we create products that are not being burnt so that there's no emissions is there something we can do that is a a, again, here it is, bitumen beyond combustion product that we can produce from those reservoirs, make a product that can support and even um, help us prosper in a low carbon or zero carbon future economy. And so that's where RFXL can continue to play a role by cleanly producing it with no water, no emissions. You can produce that product, bitumen, get it up to surface. And then there's this potential to, instead of sending it to the US to be refined into gasoline, we could be working, um, other companies could take that product and generate carbon fiber, which is a massive industrial growth product. Um, they could create uh, an isolate vanadium, which is looking to be you know, one of the next iterations of battery technology, um, higher level of performance than lithium, but again, could be powering a whole bunch of those electric vehicles or other pieces of the energy transition. Um, and then you look at those cars that are on the road, cars and trucks, whether they're powered by electricity or, or something else, they're still driving on roads. So there's still demand for asphalt binder that goes on all the roads and that can come straight out of that bitumen. Oh, so, I, so if you look at those three, you've got three big products. There's some potential to isolate hydrogen as a fuel from that mix of, you know, lots of mix of hydrogen and carbon and other molecules in, in the in the pot, if you will, back to the pots and pans analogy, but we can separate it differently, use it differently, and end up with products that could even be, you know, three, four, five times more valuable 
than the oil and that we're producing today to be turned into fossil fuel. So that bitumen beyond combustion, it really means if you're getting that oil out, there's not all this, this mix with the solvents, the water, the chemicals, you're actually going to drive, basically there's, there's now there's going to be more value. Like asphalt's a great example. We still need that. We, we need tons yeah. of that for the roads. And basically it's a potential to produce a greater amount of it per barrel. Yeah, or, well, I'm not sure if it's a greater amount of it per barrel, but it's maybe more of a focus on those products. Okay. Um, if you look at how all of that product is handled today, it's mostly being sent to be refined to be a fossil fuel. And so right. the pieces that don't end up in gasoline are dealt with somewhere else, and, and they're not all turned into a value-add product. So if you just shift that focus and say, okay, we don't want any gasoline anymore or diesel or these other fuels, but we're gonna take as many of those carbon molecules as we can get out into high quality carbon fiber feedstock that can then be sold for you know, some really cool stuff around carbon put into plastics, into wood, you know, even into plywood, stuff like that, making things stronger, concrete. Um, so it goes to that instead of out of a refinery into a, into a gas station. Probably the potential to developing more more jobs potentially in Canada if if some of these products start being manufactured more in Canada. Yeah, that's a great point, Murray, where that could be refined and developed into the commercial product here instead of uh, moving outside the province. Okay. So, uh, Jim, did you want to add anything to the bitumen beyond combustion products and what you think the future is even potentially for your communities? I think it's it's a really good opportunity to add value to the oil sensing oil industry. Uh, your you know your need your need material and, uh, to uh, put together things in this country and uh, and manufacturing of course we're using the materials that can be supplied uh, such as polymer materials. It's a great potential and I think you know it creates a lot of opportunities for employment and business within this country and so. I think you know we're looking at uh, our uh, this RF technology being a springboard to other technology, uh, other sectors of the economy, and uh, I think we certainly have a lot of potential for a positive uh, uh, output uh, with regards to the, the project that we have going here. Mike, the so there's these net zero mandates now, and what it sounds like, especially from kind of going from that bitumen beyond combustion that's going to be another key role if you do actually want to meet those targets. Is that, is that right? Yeah, I think that's fair, Rory. Really, you know, if our country and, and even a lot of the world is looking to reach net zero by 2050, um, to get there, yeah, we have to reduce emissions. We're going to have to deploy some carbon capture to, to capture the parts we can't otherwise fix. But we're excited because we think we've got a solution that can help take this little piece, you know, it can be a big piece, but the oil production, heavy oil, oil sand, take that down to a zero, even a zero emissions, not net zero, that would save that room for carbon capture to be used elsewhere. But it's important to get there. But, you know, as Jim talked about the need for, for growth and the business to sustain Alberta's economy for all of Albertans, mm -hmm. um, that needs something that can go beyond 
And, and so that's where by being able to transition into bitumen beyond combustion kind of product where there are no emissions, we can get to 2050, we can get to net zero, and we can still have a thriving economy in Alberta. So I think that's, that's a big deal. Do you think now, do, it, it seems like this happens a lot with technology, which is, is pretty fascinating when you look at like the big tech players. With, with your technology, do you think once it's proven, it also spurs more innovation around, around what you're doing? even on the product side? I think it will, Roy. I, I mean, there's going to be innovation potential, both in how this is deployed. You know, we're just starting, we're getting our first pilot out there. Um, we see a lot of flexibility for this technology to operate in different reservoirs than SAGD could um, mm -hmm. because of physical limitations. So we may open the door to, to innovation there. The cost reduction, part of our story may also allow for more dollars to be spent on other innovations. You know, there's still places where methane can be a fugitive gas emission and it can be captured, but it costs money to do that. So there's more room to innovate when you take your cost structure down significantly. So um, there's that kind of innovation. There's the innovation, you know, we've, we talk about RFXL as this whole, whole model of taking electricity in, we convert that to RF energy, it goes down hole, that heats the water molecules, turns them to steam, and that's how we produce the oil. But we've been innovating all the way along that chain. So the technology we've put at the surface that we've been de developing for like four or five years now, um, originally in partnership with GE Global Research, you know, it, it's an amazing piece of technology. It can be a workhorse of the energy transition because it can take one type of power in and convert it to another frequency and um, convert from DC to AC, all these things that are required in an electrified world, it does them at very high power and at very high efficiency. So we see a lot of future applications for, for that, uh, what we call the clean tech inverter in expanding into other spaces. Yeah, it's going to be pretty amazing to see. The other thing too, we may have touched on this briefly, but I just want to also like with, Carbon capture storage, this, carbon capture, that means a lot of times it's going back into the ground, whereas with your technology, is that eliminated? Yes, yeah. So if we're talking about a scenario where you can source renewable power, then there's no emissions, so there's no carbon to capture. Um, and, and even if we are using grid power kind of in a 2030 timeframe, you've cut it in half. So we are either reducing or eliminating the need to capture the carbon associated with upstream production. You may still need to capture some carbon once, if it's going into a, a car or truck and getting burnt, then you're gonna have some emissions to capture, but we can reduce the load, uh, you know, really of, of what's required for carbon capture. And we also have that benefit of reducing land use and eliminating wa fresh water use. Right, I, th I think I wanna leave it here. Um, do you, it, before, before we kind of end everything, do you end everything? That sounds strange. Anyway, before before we finish the interview, is there any final comments that uh, you both want to make uh, on kind of anything that we've covered? I've learned a ton here, especially going into the bitumen beyond combustion. It's like a good and even like the power savings part of it. Do you, do you have any final thoughts that you want to add, uh, both Mike and then I'll hand it over to you, Jim? Um, from my side, Rory, I, I think 
that was the bottom line is really, you know, we, we want to get to net zero by 2050. We're excited. We've got a platform we think can, can help take us there as part of a bigger mix and both by reducing emissions, but, but not putting a singular focus on emissions. Um, water's important. Um, avoiding solvents, important. Land use reduction is important. And having this pathway to a future prosperous economy with zero carbon, you know, there's a line of sight there. So I think those are really important factors and, and we're excited to be getting this technology to market. Um, yeah, over, over to you, Jim. Well, thank you very much. I think we know we're, we're uh, we have a game changer here with regards to the RF technology. It will improve the environmental performance, the social performance, and we would, you know, greatly enhance the environmental uh, initiative with regards to this project. And I think, you know, we, we will be successful uh, in our pilot and our, the potential in the future for, for RF technology is so great. And uh, it's, it has so many benefits to this country. And I'm looking forward to seeing its success. That is great. So yeah, yeah. One more time, just just for anybody that's watched as well. Again, you trade publicly, and what is what is the stock ticker, Mike? Stock ticker is AXE, A X E, on the TXX Venture Exchange. Okay, perfect. Thank, Please, thank you. Yeah, thank you for both joining. This has been really informative. It's great. These part two episodes, you can get into a whole bunch more detail. So that was. It's been great to have you on again. Um, Gaudi, can you please um, just uh, let everybody know where they can find more information about Acceloware as well? But uh, I'll, I'll pass it back over to you. Awesome. Yeah, no, thank you uh, for coming on and joining us again, Mike uh, and Jim, for, for coming on as well. Um, you can definitely check out Acceloware. We have tons of links in the description um, for you, and, and uh, we'll put in all the other links that uh, Mike was also discussing there. Um, and uh, in terms of... Uh, Crownsman Energy, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, um, and uh, you can contact us if you would like to be part of the show, whether it's Crownsman Energy, Mining Now, or the Crownsman Show, contact us, info at crownsman.com. Yeah, I think that's great. Okay, great. Thank you very much, everyone. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> we will see you on the next episode.